Hello, church. How are you? I'm happy to be here. Uh, it's one of those days that, you know, you think that you're not ready, and I'm not ready. But uh, if you thought that 2020 couldn't end bad, hopefully I'm not going to make it worse with my message today. But so I have to do uh, Luke chapter 1. Um, verse 67 to 79. So if you have your Bibles or if you're watching from home, please just uh, get your Bibles. We're going to read um, a little big chunk of the text. And then once we're done, I'm going to do a little prayer. And then we're going to continue with the message. Um, so Luke chapter 1, verse 67 says this. His father, Zachariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, uh, because he has come to his people to redeem them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of, Dave, of, of, the house of his servant David, as he has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of, the, of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all, all, of the, all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go, bef uh, you will go on before the Lord preparing the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come uh, to us from heaven Sh uh, shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us to guide our feet into the path of peace let's pray together dear God uh, I just want to pray for this time that we are in your word and pray that you will guide my lips that I can uh, just show your message uh, just clear with your Holy Spirit and I pray that anything that I could add that is not in your will you just block it and just let your word be the one that comes uh, shining through this time uh, I pray that you will prepare the ears of those who are listening today and prepare the hearts of those who will listen later. Uh, thank you, God, for this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It seems like every time that we um, finish a year, we get to look back at the year and start to to see all the promises that we have broke. Maybe you started the year 2020 saying, this year is the one that I'm going to lose weight or this is the year that I'm going to finish school or this is the year that I'm going to get a better home or, or a better car and then here we go here, here we are in December 27 and you look back and it's maybe you just had an amazing dish of tacos last night and you're like I think I, I didn't keep my promise I mean we we get promises all the time so back in March they told us we're going to be shelter in place for two weeks they promised that and and I was like oh two weeks that's nothing it's, it's almost a year and here we are still uh, at home so 
If you know me, you know that I'm a fan of this uh, soccer team. Uh, the name of this soccer team is Cruz Azul. If you're Mexican, I'm pretty sure you're already laughing at me. Uh, and let me tell you the story for those who are not soccer fans or Mexicans. So the story goes that this team has not been a champion for 23 years. I mean, I was a couple years, like 10 years, I think, when last time they were champions. And, um, and it's not like they're a horrible team. Every year, they're at the top of the league. They're always going into playoffs every year. And every, every year, I see a new coach saying, this is the year that Cruz Azul is going to be the champion. And every year, I believe them. So the league starts, they're, really, they're doing really great, first place, second place, and then playoffs start. And every time that playoffs start, uh, they lose. And, and sometimes it's even in the last minute, the real final, the, the big final, last minute, and they lose. And then the next year, the same thing happens first place they go to the finals and the last and the real last final they lose it again last minute so this is so weird because it's been happening for 23 years uh, 11 times they have lost a final so the Spanish uh, language real Academy which is this uh, they, they basically dictate what a real a Spanish word is they recognize a new Spanish word in 2020 which is cruzaciular meaning to cruz azul it and, and the meaning of this word is that you are going to do something but at the last minute you fail to do it so every time that i listen to a new coach we're going to be champions i'm like yeah i don't believe it but uh, i still in my heart believe it and every year my heart gets broken but i think i, I feel like this is human human nature i mean we promise something and sometimes we don't even want to, to do it, but we promise it, and then uh, we cannot keep the promises. So now, this is really different with God. Because uh, Zacharias uh, experienced the version of God where he promises something, and it's really weird that God actually promises. And, and he promised Zachariah that I was gonna, I'm going to bring you, I'm going to give you a kid, I'm going to give you that child that you were praying for, for, for the longest. And when God says that, Zachariah and his heart, like, doubts. So now, and that's, that's going to be my first point. It's like God actually promises. So, and I struggle with this. Why would Zachariah doubt God? So now, if you know your, your, your story, your history at uh, the Bible story, um, you know that God has been silent for 400 years. So for 400 years, no prophets. They call it the silent time. And, and imagine that after 400 years, you finally hear God saying, I'm going to give you that that you want. And, and, I, and I get it. I mean, yeah, 400 years, I haven't heard from you. And then you're telling me that there's this promise. And of course, I mean, if I was me, if it was me, I would doubt it too. And then he gets his mouth shut for nine, nine months. And then I love that God actually kept his promise. And Zachariah's first words in verse 64 are words of praise and worship. And that's, that's amazing. Just 
see how God kept his promise and just worship him. So now, if we go to Luke chapter 1, verse 67 to 68, it says that his father, he's talking about uh, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people to redeem us. So God is using uh, Zechariah to promise something, his salvation. And this is uh, something that we're going to see twice in this text. We're going to see God promising something, and then we're going to see salvation. Um, and, and it's really amazing because you see the promises, but you see salvation. So uh, it seems like to me in this text, the promises of God revolve around the plan of salvation. There's no way to go around this. You cannot grab the promises of God and not touch upon the salvation plan. There's a lot of people that will say, yeah, the promises of God, he will be with you, but it's okay if you're not Christian. Uh, God is, you know, God's going to bless you guys. God is going to give you this. But you cannot separate the two. The promises of God revolve around the plan of salvation. So Zechariah continues, uh, continues praising God, but now the text tells us that he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And his prophecy, we call it the Benedictus, uh, the Latin word for praise be, because he starts, again, blessing the Lord and acknowledging that God, that the God of the universe had visited his people to redeem them. I love how Zacharias know that God himself is the one that comes to redeem his people. So now redeem means to set free, to purchase. And I also love how Zachariah is like looking into the future, but speaking of his, like, uh, like right now, like if it's present. So now if you know the story, uh, Jesus still, like, it's in Mary's womb. So he's not even there yet, you know, in a sense. But Zachariah knows that God, the man, is, has come to save his people. And he knows that God can keep his promises. He's, he's the God that keeps his promises. So now, and then now he came to redeem his, his people. Now, if you see uh, verse 69, he says that he has, he has raised a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And of course, this servant, the house, this horn of salvation is talking about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. And horn of salvation speaks of powerful Savior. So now if you're a Christian today, this is 100% truth. Jesus has, uh, came 2,000 years ago to set you free, to redeem you. He has come to, to, to give you freedom from, from your sins, from death. And he has the power to do it. Uh, I don't know. Just having the power to, to give you uh, this freedom to know that, that you're not longer abide by sin, that you're not, uh, uh, you know, in bondage of, feel like you have no purpose in life. I'm amazed of the reality that God is mighty to save. And he has purchased us with his own blood in Calvary. Zechariah knew it. But what is really important today is if you know that this is a reality in your life. God has promised that he came to redeem you, to save you, to purchase you with his blood. So now, 
there's a reality that there's no sinner that God cannot redeem. You might think that you are not good enough or, or that you are far gone and that maybe God doesn't want to save you. But if you're listening to this message, if you're listening to this sinner that was once saved by God, I'm telling you that he can save you today. Because he's gracious and he is powerful and there's no sinner that God cannot save. If you come in faith, repent. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise, amazing promise. And he is a man of his word. Now, just go, go to the text, uh, verse 70, and you can and you see this promise long ago. Verse 70 says, as he, God, uh, said through his holy pro prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant so this promise god gave it to the prophets i mean we're talking about old testament hundreds thousands of years before christ and 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 now he remembers them and he promised that he's gonna keep his holy covenant if we go to say, uh, verse 73 it says the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. Then again, we see this oath and then he kept and then salvation. Uh, now that the promise that he gave to Abraham is that through his seed, he will bless the world. Now it's amazing that again, salvation and the promises of God are always attached to the salvation plan. So you might, you might ask me, Miguel, what is, what is all about enemies and, and war and, and the, the hand of those who hate us? Well, the Bible says that we got some enemies. And I don't want to go into detail on that, but um, Ephesians 6, 12 says, For our fight is not against flesh or blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against powers in, the, in this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says, um, For though we live in this world, we do not wage in war as the world does. In 1 Corinthians 15, 26, it says that there, there our last enemy is dead itself and is going to be destroyed. So now, it seems like as Christians, we are going to fight with this. So there's the promise that God will give you, you know, eternal life, but that also that there's going to be some kind of fight. But now, if I'm honest, when I read something like this, I can always just go back to the promises of God. And, and the promise that God gave us is that He will be with us all the time. That He will fight with us. That we, He will fight for us. So we don't have to do much. So now, the biggest enemy that I struggle with, because I sleep with it 24-7, is myself. Sometimes, uh, you know, I'm not very kind to myself. Uh, sometimes I'm just like, you know, maybe texting myself, you're not worthy. Or, you know, I'm just talking to myself and, and saying, you're not, you're never going to be a great dad. Or you're never, you're never going to be, I don't know, blank. So now, I read that Jesus defeated even my flesh in the cross, and I can relax and I can rest 
that he defeated the flesh. And now it's horrible that the flesh knows, knows that it's defeated, and now he wants to bring me down. But then again, I can just look at, the, at Jesus' work at the cross and say, I'm just going to claim to that promise that you are with me, that you fought for me, and then you're going to be my Lord forever. So now, Romans 8.37 tells us that um, know, and all, know that all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So now, the last point that I want to take is that there's a reason why there was this rescue. Uh, and it goes in uh, verse 74 to 75, and it's that God purposes. Uh, it says, verse 74, God re uh, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, in righteousness before him all our days. Basically, to give us a purpose of why we exist at all. So, the purpose is so simple that we can come and serve him with no fear. How great is that? That you can come into the presence of the holy God, the creator of the universe, with no fear, just walk into his presence and serve him. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us then approach, approach God, God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So now you can see that uh, all the promises of God are attached also to holiness and righteousness. And, and Zechariah kind of declares and, and says that to his baby. Look at verse 76. And you, my child, and now he's talking about John the Baptist, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come from, uh, to us from heaven to shine on those who live in darkness and, to sh and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. So now John the Baptist came to be this uh, prophet that will prepare the way for God the man that Jesus who came to fulfill the Old Testament, the New Testament, and, and he called everybody to repentance. And so that they can experience not only the mercy of God, but the promises of God. And John did it amazingly. He, he was the best. I love how he was just screaming, you know, from his lungs saying, repent. So now, we as Christians are called to do it to do it even boldly, even more than him. There's a scripture that I like to always think about, and uh, Jesus is describing John the Baptist, and, and he tells his disciples from, like, there's no other man born out of the woman who is greater than John the Baptist. And, and he tells his disciples that, but even the smallest, the least in the kingdom is, is bigger than him. So now, that takes me to my last point. It's that God also empowers us. So now from all the prophets, I mean, you, you take your pick. Abraham, Noah, John the Baptist. Uh, John was the, was the basically the, the, the greatest. 
Yet, he says, Jesus says that even the least in his kingdom, and that's you or me, we might be the least in his kingdom, that we are greater than John the Baptist. And the reason is really simple. It's not because you're better than him. It's not because you are better in any human way. But I think that he was just an announcer. I mean, and I don't want to diminish him, but just an announcer for the Christ. But he always spoke of the kingdom being near. But now we as Christians, we are part of that kingdom that came close to the earth. And we are part of God's family. And now we have the power. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And now we can serve him in righteousness and holiness. So now we not only have the Holy Spirit in our heart, but we also have the power of God to transform lives. The power of God to transform the Bay Area. And that's the gospel. Uh, Paul says in Romans 1.16, for, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who, everyone who believes. And, and again, I love that quote. Because God promised that that message, the message that you have in your Bible, that God, that Jesus came into this world, that he lived the perfect life, and then he died on the cross for your sins, and then he has purchased us sinners so that we can live with him forever. That is a promise that we can take to the bank. And that promise can change the world. And and if John the Baptist, John the Baptist was called to go and just say it everywhere. My question is, why are we not as Christians doing it? We know that God is not like my favorite soccer team. That he can keep his promise. We know that he has the power to save. And we know that the people out there, people in the world, just look at the Bay Area. 2020, horrible year. People need to know the gospel. People need to know that Jesus is Lord, that he loves them, and he came to die on the cross. They can come, repent, and receive the gift of salvation. So my question and my challenge for you this next year, maybe don't make it a promise because you might break it, but what if you share the gospel with everybody around you? Last week, I uh, received a text message, uh, a Facebook message from, from uh, a friend's sister. And she said, my brother just passed uh, yesterday. And, and I was like, Oof. I knew that he, he was going through cancer. And, and, and I talked to him a couple of times. But I, I didn't want to step and say, hey, do you know the Lord? Uh, a couple of months ago. My uncle also passed away uh, due to COVID, and he died being as a Christian. and And my heart was in peace because I knew that my uncle was gonna go to heaven. And he was gonna be with the Lord, and he was happy to be with the Lord. But then I see my best friend from when I was young dying, and I don't have that peace. So now I want to create a new church. This sense of urgency. We need to share the gospel. Because we can see the year ending. But there's life. Life's ending. Lives that we will not see in heaven. Just because we shy the gospel. The power of God to transform. To transform the bay. To transform lives. So let's pray.
the gospel.